the truth. But the, um, that is happening. I think Iran is taking the risks. Uh, there isn't any more companies or tanker uh, operators mm. that the U.S. could sanction. Um, Iran is also in the news, obviously, uh, because it uh, appears the Biden administration does want to get back to the negotiating table. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I see a very long and arduous journey on that front. I don't expect uh, Iranian barrels to come flooding back into the market, okay. certainly not many times this year. So just very quickly, because we're, we're out of time, what's your forecast for the oil price for the rest of this year? So we're sitting around mid-60s for, for benchmark Brent crude. Uh, I do feel 55 to 65 is the sort of the sweet spot range that will remain. I'm not in the camp of uh, very, uh, you know, big bullish uh, forecasts that we have seen, uh, 70s and 80, and, and certainly I don't think we're going to see a super cycle. So okay. I see 55 to 65 for Brent sort of the sweet, sweet spot for this year. Vandana, thanks very much. That's Vandana Hari, founder of Vandu Insights. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the oil markets, uh, Brent crude oil trading a little bit lower this morning at $64.17 a barrel, gold at $1,738 an ounce. In the equity markets, uh, the ASX 200 in Australia up a third of a percent. The Nikkei 225 in Japan has risen 0.9%, uh, around about a 0.6% rise for the Cosby in South Korea. And looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about 130 points at the open. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for more Money Talk. Stay tuned to Radio 3. Back chat coming up next. Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong presenting this morning. The weather forecast mainly cloudy. Sunny intervals at first. Maximum temperature about 21 degrees during the day and then one or two rain patches at first tomorrow. Temperature right now 18 degrees, 62% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Samantha Butler with the news. In a coordinated action, a number of Western governments have imposed sanctions on China because of alleged rights abuses against ethnic Uyghurs in Xinjiang. The European Union, the United States, Britain and Canada have targeted four individuals and an organisation. In response to the EU sanctions, which were announced first, Beijing said it would sanction 10 European individuals and four entities. Josep Borrell is the EU's foreign policy chief. Rather than change its policies and address our legitimate concerns, China has again turned a blind eye, and these measures are regrettable and unacceptable. The World Health Organization has warned people against assuming that a coronavirus vaccine alone will end the pandemic. The head of the WHO's emergencies team, Dr. Mike Ryan, made the comments at a news conference in Geneva. The reality is that the disease is on the march again in countries in which we've got opening up, natural fatigue, low vaccination coverage, poor surveillance and control measures in place. And we just have got to turn back and face those realities because vaccines are a huge addition to controlling and containing COVID, but they are not the only solution. And I'm afraid we are investing way too much in this as the only solution to fix our problems. The head of the WHO also called on more producers of coronavirus vaccines to follow AstraZeneca's example and license their technology to other manufacturers. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus described the growing gap between vaccines administered by rich and poor countries as grotesque.
The United States government says it'll ask the authorities in Mexico and Guatemala to find ways of reducing the flow of migrants and asylum seekers reaching its southern border. The U.S. Press Secretary Jen Psaki said there was special concern about the growing number of unaccompanied children arriving at border crossings. Our focus now is on solutions and putting in place policies, including expediting processing at the border, opening up additional facilities, something that you've seen developments on over the past several days, and there'll be certainly more on, restarting our uh, Central American Minors Program, which was stopped in 2017. Thousands of kids should be eligible to apply for that so they're not making this journey. So our focus is on solutions and implementing them as quickly as possible. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today is Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Today, culture and cattle. Lawmaker Eunice Young has raised concerns regarding artworks by Ai Weiwei and others, part of the SIG collection at the soon-to-open M-Plus Museum in West Kowloon. She asked the chief executive whether any departments would vet museum exhibitions to make sure they are in line with national security and the basic law, claiming that many were spreading hatred against the country. Lam replied that the authorities are on full alert to make sure museum exhibitions don't undermine national security. And an oil painting from the same collection that shows Mao Zedong looking at a Urinal is the latest artwork to attract criticism. Takung Pao condemned the work for uglifying and defaming the country's leader. The Arts Development Council, meanwhile, says it may cancel grants made to artists who advocate Hong Kong independence after a state-run newspaper accused the statutory body of handing out millions of dollars to yellow filmmakers who made gl- films glorifying what it described as black violence. Can M Plus comply with the NSL and show contemporary art freely? Can artists like I challenge authority with impunity. Is the art scene simply the next venue for reinforcing Beijing's comprehensive jurisdiction? Uh, let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us and our number is 233-88266. That's 233-88266. And then after 9.15, we're going to be talking about stray cattle in Sai Kong after another was killed uh, in a road accident in the country park. Uh, just before we get to today's topic then some uh, few emails uh matthew says uh this is regarding uh, yesterday's discussion about the uh sino u.s meeting uh once again we have the same two north american academics in inverted commas with business and career interests dependent on the mainland analyzing china u.s relations for us there are so many china commentators out there both in this region and beyond come on back chat couldn't we have some variety of guests and some with different and more independent perspectives this is now too scary and dangerous path to go down is it time to if this is now a too scary and dangerous a path to go down, is it time to reconsider the ongoing value and direction of the programme? That's uh, from Matthew. Matthew, if you'd like to suggest anyone, we'll be very happy to approach them. We approach a lot of people, uh, uh, unfortunately, because of the times and various sort of constraints. Um, we, we get a lot of no's, <laughs> in essence. Um, so uh, if, if there's somebody you'd like us to, to try, Matthew, we're more than happy to do that. So uh, just... Uh, 
send on your suggestions. Uh, Derek, uh, in an email, says, Dear Backchat, are you really going to talk about cows in Sai Kong? Well, at least that's probably a safe subject for an M-plus exhibition. That's from Derek. And Alan doesn't mince words. Alan says, Backchat, so now artworks must be vetted to be compliant with NSL. Any day now, Junius or Regina will don red caps and be parading artists, writers, anyone who fails to lick she's boots onto a stage, putting them in the airplane pose. If you have any guests supporting this concept, ask them to explain how national security is endangered by a painting. They invoke it for singing a song, waving a flag, so it should not be a stretch. How incredibly insecure and intolerant must a regime be for it to feel threatened by a painting? That is from Alan. Uh, we want to hear from you. You can uh, email bankchat at rthk.hk, of course, or you can you can phone us up, and the number is 233-88266, and we have the Facebook page uh, as well. Joining us for our first part of the uh, the programme, we have in our central studio now, John Batten, President of the International Association of Art Critics of uh, Hong Kong, uh, and on the line, uh, Gordon Matthews, Professor of Anthropology at uh, the Chinese University. Casey Wong, an artist, will be uh, joining us later uh, as well. Um, John Batten, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Hi, Hugh. Hi, Ada. Uh, thanks for, for joining us once again. Is this, is this, where does this sort of leave them plus? Is this a bit of an embarrassment? Because they've got this big collection of, this massive collection of, uh, of uh, arts and 1,500 pieces uh, from, from the SIG collection, you know, which they make a big, big splash about. Uh, is this going to be a bit of an embarrassment now? What are they going to do with it? I, I don't think so at all. I, I think it, um, if anything, it, it reinforces the importance of the exhibition and, and the place of um, this very interesting period in Chinese art in the 80s when there was a blooming of, of uh, ideas and, and expression, uh, not, not just in the arts but throughout, throughout China and uh, a reassessment uh, post the Cultural Revolution. Um, you know, my, my take on Eunice Jung is that uh, she was playing to an audience uh, and, and she uh, asked the question of Carrie and Lechko in the very week that uh, the Beijing officials were here in, in Hong Kong to discuss uh, the uh, Lechko reform, uh, so-called reform, reform in inverted commas. And... I, I, I just think throwing brickbats is such an easy thing to do. I, I've got no idea if Eunice Jung has ever been involved in, in arts or cultural policy, but it's so easy to, to finger point. And it's interesting that she finger pointed at a photograph of a finger pointing. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not... I'm, of course, I'm worried because the, the general situation in Hong Kong is intimidatory. But there hasn't been an example of, of, uh, of artists being told not to do this or not to do that, except in the, in the boundaries that, that art and culture always has to re respect certain rules and regulations and, um, and the values of a society. And I think that's under, under reassessment at the moment. Mm. Um, John, good morning. Um, well... You, you have been in Hong Kong for a long time. Uh, in, in the last couple of years, have you heard of any stories of um, so-called self-censorship or unjustified censorship? Uh, well, I, I've heard a couple, uh, and, and I'm wondering whether, um, you know, this red line uh, will be getting more and more difficult to interpret. Mm, yeah. Um, 
Well, Ada, I, I, yes, of course, I have heard of, of self-censorship. And, I, I, you know, to be completely honest, although I don't think I self-censor censor myself because I'm a, a, a writer and a, a commentator, you know, I think about things. And, um, uh, but the fear for me is the arbitrary nature of the red line. Um, and that's what is scary for, for artists doing artwork. They, they, they don't quite know what are the boundaries. Now, my take on this is, therefore, we don't wait for the authorities to tell us. We make our own boundaries. And, and, and I think we need to do that very clearly. Yeah. So there are things that are a little bit difficult at the moment. Um, the, the areas under the national security law are well laid out. You need to be careful. Yeah. As I said in a, a Mingpo article on Sunday, I, I don't know if it was actually published, but I, I told the reporter that in authoritarian regimes around the world or governments, there has always been uh, objections to that. And this is often done with humour and satire and irony. And for example, I used the example uh, of printing a sticker saying, I love China, but it's in yellow. Now, if that was stuck somewhere, you might be done for defacing a wall. But in all honesty, could you be prosecuted under the national security law if you did something like that? Saying, I love China, but it's yellow. So the satirical nature of the, of, the, of the sticker has a subliminal meaning. And we know in China, China itself, that images of Xi Jinping and Winnie the, Pe Winnie the Bear uh, uh, are censored. So in Hong Kong, do we buy into that type of, uh, of censorship if we're an artist or a writer or any creative person? Or do we try and continue the way we are in Hong Kong. John, um, M Plus aspires to be a world-class museum. And, you know, Uli Sek, the Swiss collector, has also expressed confidence in Hong Kong's freedom under one country, two systems. But now we have the national security law. Do you think M Plus can coexist with the national security law? Absolutely. Yes, I do. And... Uh, I was at the press conference when the question was asked of the director, Sahania Rafael, whether the museum would continue to, to exhibit Ai Wei, and she very, very strongly said yes. And she made the comment that, um, you know, the, the, the exhibition, exhi exhi exhibitions at M+, like any good museum around the world, are done based on uh, research, and looking at history. And so in the context of, of um, that kind of curatorial uh, decision-making, I think any work can be shown. And, and museums are not immune to controversy. I mean, the, the, the most recent example is after the, the Black Lives Matter um, uh, protests in the US. There was a, a very large exhibition by the great American uh, painter Philip Guston 
that was pulled at both Tate Modern and the National Gallery in, in Washington. And Philip Guston, uh, of course, was very... Uh, he was a former communist, and he uh, became a great ab abstraction express expressionist artist. And then he changed. He became a, a very strongly figurative artist, and he objected to the, the white racism in the South. And in his paintings of the time, he, he uh, depicted the Ku Klux Klan figures. And the, these paintings are brilliant because they're, they're strongly political in a subliminal way. And um, the exhibition that was supposed to be um, shown at the Tate Modern in, in, in London and the National Gallery in Washington was pulled because certain politically correct people decided those images of the Ku Klux Klan were, were not appropriate under the uh, Black Lives Matter. Now, that decision was lampooned by everyone, uh, uh, including black people, because, of course, Guston was criticising uh, the racism in the, in, the, in the South, in America. And so, you know, museums make mistakes, and no doubt uh, Hong Kong museums will make mistakes in the, in the coming years. And it's for you, Ada, and me, and Hugh, to continue the good fight, to, to, to express our opinions in an open way. Professor Matthews, good morning to you. <coughs> Thanks very much indeed for, for joining us. Ai Weiwei says that art is about uh, challenging authority and i mean that that image of him raising his finger in Tiananmen square is a very very sort of simple representation of that a, a challenge to authority well if you challenge authority in that way um <clears throat> surely authority can say no <laughs> it's it's a straight challenge and the and the authority uh has the power to um to to take away your photograph or stop you doing that And what do you expect? Well, I think you could say that. What do you expect? Uh, the less secure a given regime seems to be, the more likely it will indeed exert its authority this way. And after all, whether it's the Arts Development Council of Hong Kong or whether it's M+, <coughs> these are institutions that are uh, public or quasi-public and funded by government money, and a government can do this. Now, is it a good thing? Of course it's not, but that has to be remembered. Singapore is far more subtle in censorship than Hong Kong seems to be right now, but the, the poets I know in Singapore tell me that the government simply won't fund their publication if they criticize the government in any way. So, yes, this happens uh, uh, continually. What always surprises uh, me, and I think many people in Hong Kong, is, uh, number one, how insecure the mainland government and now Hong Kong is becoming about any criticism, and number two, how rapidly this is taking place. So, as, as uh, our previous uh, speaker, John, was saying, that's what we don't know. This sort of Damocles meaning that when will this come down? These are merely threats. Eunice Young has said rather provocative things on a number of occasions in the past, and nothing has come of them. What's going to happen here? Well, we will see. Is this the ongoing darkening of Hong Kong? Where is this going to lead to? We don't know. But this is what authoritarian societies around the world, authoritarian governments around the world do. So it's hardly surprising. As you say, Eunice Young doesn't get, always get his way, but it seems like Tarkung Pao and Wenwei Po, they do. Uh, if well, there's someone in their sights, 
that's not the impression always. I think a lot of people have, then um, they're done for. Not, not always. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have been criticized in, in uh, one of those newspapers, and it didn't come to anything. Um, I, I know a number of people who have been criticized, and it doesn't come to anything. Now, it's true that in Hong Kong today, certainly their power has risen as compared to a few years ago. But do they always get their way? Well, we will see. Is this a harbinger of what's to come? We will see. This is the whole story of Hong Kong today. I mean, are you going to be taken away? Am I going to be taken away? Who knows? We don't know. I don't think that stuff will happen, and I think that, you know, M-plus will be able to continue with these exhibits and so on, but we don't know. That's the nature of living in Hong Kong. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not a secret what's happening in Hong Kong. Uh, what's happening in Hong Kong is that there's a, there's a pretty wholesale change, certainly to the political system, certainly to the electoral system, many aspects of the political system to the education system. Uh, to uh, the media we've been promised. That's part of the uh, national security education, the legal system. There's, there's, you know, there's, uh, Hong Kong is being remade, uh, you know, and, and that's a proud boast of the chief secretary and so on. Uh, the weekend, you know, these, these are the three pillars which are going to reshape uh, Hong Kong. Um, and you'd expect culture to be part of that, wouldn't you? Sorry, you'd expect what? what Culture. You'd expect the arts. Of you'd course. expect the film world. You'd expect um, performing arts as well to all be part of the same uh, event. Of course you would. Of course you would. And it's just a question of how far this remaking is going to go. Now, there has been pockets of artistic freedom on the mainland, and so the question that I always ask myself is, how much is Hong Kong going to come to resemble places like Shanghai and Beijing and its artistic expression, uh, and how much is the repression in Hong Kong going to go further? We don't know. We don't know where the line is going to be drawn. Certainly, if Hong Kong does censor to a certain degree, its international reputation will suffer. And I'm, I'm told uh, by, that uh, by a number of business professors I know that many, many companies are hanging in Hong Kong on bated breath and they will take off if certain lines are crossed. So this is something I assume that the Hong Kong government, as well as the Beijing government, is thinking about. Do they care? Well, we will see. That's part of the mystery of living in Hong Kong now. Um, Gordon Matthews, you mentioned that um, there are examples of uh, politically sensitive artworks uh, in the mainland. How, you know, as far as you know, how are they dealing with it? Well, I am not sure, because unlike your previous speaker, I am not primarily dealing with art. But I do recall being in both Beijing and Shanghai and being taken to art exhibitions that were quite provocative. Now, it's a question, as our previous speaker was saying, of um, where exactly it is provocative and how far does it go? For example, I love China in yellow, for example. That's satiric. On the other hand, it could easily be enough to be said that, hey, this is what I really think, and so on. So that's really the question. Um, How far can it be allowed to go? How much does the government completely lack a sense of humor? Also, as our previous speaker said, this happens in the U.S. as well, uh, when exhibitions are severely criticized for provoking authority, but usually they are not banned. Usually they are not stopped for that reason. Um, If... For example, Ai Weiwei's paintings and and works can still be shown in M+, minus one particular picture. What would that signify? I don't think it would be the end of the world, but it would indicate a crumbling away of a a degree of freedom. If nothing by Ai Weiwei could be shown at M+, obviously that's a far more serious direction we may be going in. And this is what all of us in Hong Kong, who are teachers, 
who are writers, who are artists, are wondering about how far will anything go. Um, this has to be, though, a large question, because what does it take before there's a mass exodus of, you know, a million people leaving Hong Kong? Not yet. Not yet. This is in the future. But at some point, certain lines will be crossed, and that may happen. And that is something enormous, because even Beijing, which is largely impervious to what other people think, it seems, would have a black eye if it turned out that Hong Kong was ineradicably lost. Is that going to happen? I certainly hope and pray that it won't, but that's part of the line that we're on. That's part of the slope that we're slowly coming down right now, or fastly coming down. Are, are there? Do you know of creative people or, or, and or academics who who are actually engaging with what's happening now, who are writing about it, who are thinking about it, or are they kind of avoiding it? I sense that they're avoiding it. Um, people wanting to do projects on things like, you know, Hong Kong uh, senses of identity. People are holding back. They're not applying for that. Now, partly because of the um, suspicion that nobody will pay them any money. People teaching courses on rather dangerous topics, Tibet, Taiwan, whatever, might be still doing it, but they're changing the title. They're trying to be inconspicuous. Um, I am doing the same myself in very mild ways. So, so yes, this is what, what we're doing now, and probably for good reason, because when you have something like a national security law, the elephant in the room, and you don't know when it's going to be applied, it would be quite sensible to follow that to a limited degree but also a commonsensical degree. Uh, one student of mine said, this is like Nazi Germany. No, it's not. It's a long way from that yet. We do continue to have a degree of freedoms, and I think the best way to deal with this is to exercise them to the extent we can without obviously putting ourselves in danger. I think this is what all of us, you guys, artists, uh, academics, this is what all of us are doing. All we can do is continue on this path using what we perceive as a degree of, of common sense, but at the same time to not surrender any principles to the extent that we uh, feel that we can. John Batten, do you see artists producing, are they painting the elephant in the room or pretending it's not there? Um, I've written two long essays just in the last month. Mm -hmm. uh, one for the Leisure and Cultural Services Department for a show at um, Oil Street that actually isn't open yet. Um, What's it I, about? What is it? Well, it, it's, there are two artists. One is uh, King Zikin, and uh, he's done a, a light installation, which I didn't write about, but I wrote about um, an, an exhibition by the very well-known artist uh, Lake Git, and it, it's specifically about uh, the, uh, the protests, but he's done an exhibition that's extremely subtle and mild. And if anything's provocative, it's probably more my essay. Um, and um, I found complete cooperation with the staff in the, at Oil Street. Um, it's, a, it's a fabulous installation and it complements the, um, the, the light installation by, by Kingsley. And then the other thing I've done is I've written an essay, which I just finished yesterday, for a, a large exhibition in in Lisbon, in Portugal, where uh, I think six six artists are showing, of which I think at least three are Hong Kong artists. And uh, I wrote a very long essay about what's happening right now, um, uh, mixed in with the, the the history of Hong Kong. And I try to explain it to an audience that isn't here. 
And um, I, I, I must say I found that a little bit of a challenge because I, I wanted it to be uh, objective and I wanted it to be uh, creative. Um, and to complement the essay, there'll be about 20 photographs showing Hong Kong. Um, Did you yeah. worry at all you might endanger the, the artist? I, I worry about that all the time, mm. but, but, but that is not, that's a worry because I may say something that's wrong um, about artists. And as a writer, you are awful, always fearful of that. I may say there is also an exhibition at WMA, which is a, a, a non-profit organisation that supports uh, photography-based work, and they've got a, an exhibition at the moment, and I know one of the work is, again, subtly about the protests. And it, it shows two women dancing. Um, it's a 20-minute long video, and it's absolutely fabulous because it, it is so subtle that no one can object, even Eunice Jung, who wants <laughs> beauty. It's, there's John, great beauty um, there. It's not, it's not just Eunice Jung, not just one person. You know, mm. At the same time, I can see that uh, the pro-establishment camp and uh, you know um, their media, uh, they have been bashing, continuing to bash, in, in particular on the M plus acquisition policy. Uh, so they have found on the website, um, you know, uh, works of nudity, uh, uh, works of an obscene nature, and also other artworks, uh, you know, that are slightly more politically sensitive. Um, how, where, where do this lead us? Do you think? In, in fifteen seconds. <sighs> Well, Ada, you know, I've been around a long time and so have you. There's always people who think like this. We just have to be strong and say no. Let me just say one, <clears throat> one thing about what Carrie said at the press con. She actually said there's freedom of expression in Hong Kong and she trusts the museum officials to make the right decisions. That was part of her statement mm -hmm. and I'm going to hold her to that. Okay. Well, uh, John Batten and uh, Gordon Matthews. Uh, sorry, Gordon Matthews is going to stay with us. Uh, John Batten, for the moment, thank you very much indeed for joining us, President of the International Association of Art Critics. We'll continue the uh, discussion uh, after the news at nine. Uh, and after the weather, it's going to be mainly cloudy with some sunny intervals at first today. Temperatures today getting up to about uh, 21 degrees during the day with a couple of uh, rain patches around later. 19 degrees, the latest reading down the relative humidity is now at 62%. <laughs> President Biden backing the initiative, supporters are more optimistic. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about uh, uh, the art scene uh, in Hong Kong. We're talking about uh, controversies over uh, M Plus Museum and also uh, filmmaking and uh, film distribution. Uh, the chief executive, Carrie Lam, has said that the authorities are on full alert to make sure museum exhibitions don't undermine national security. There have been complaints by state-owned media, including Ta Kong Pao, uh, and uh, some legislators, including including uh, Eunice Jung, uh, are about uh, art, which uh, they say uh, spreads hatred against the country. We were talking in the first part of the programme to uh, John Batten. Uh, we're still with us is uh, Professor Gordon Matthews, Professor of Anthropology at the Chinese University. And we're also joined now by artist Casey Wong. Uh, if you want to contribute, we want to hear from you. Call us on 233-88266. Comment on our Facebook page or email, bankchat.rthk.hk. We're also talking later about cattle in Sai Kung on Facebook. 
Facebook, TC says, Eunice Young has demonstrated that she's a poster child of what loyal rubbish is. By raising the issue to national security level, she just helped advertise uh, Ai Weiwei's work. I didn't know the existence of that work until she opened her mouth. And TC has a link to uh, a story about it. Uh, TC says, this is the thing about artwork. It's open to different interpretations. The gate of heavenly peace is also a symbol of monarchy in China. He could be doing so because he despises monarchical rule in the history of China. Likewise, fingering the Reichstag could also symbolise his distaste for Nazism. Most importantly for Chinese patriots, he fingered the symbol of American imperialism. So, if anything, I appreciate the equal opportunity offender of his work. That's uh, from TC. Uh, Casey Wong, good morning to you. Hi, thanks so much indeed for, for, for joining us now. Um, so, um, you know, uh, Eunice Young has said that uh, works like that by, uh, by Ai Weiwei uh, and others spread hatred uh, against the country. And I mean, and Ai Weiwei says that this is a, his art is supposed to be a, a challenge to uh, authority. Uh, do you think that sort of work should be on show? Um, Casey, um, as an artist, do you think the authorities can draw a line to separate, um, you know, what is freedom of artistic creation and, you know, what is endangering national security? I think they already have this mechanism. The mechanism is called the Hong Kong Arts Development Council. And of course, uh, inside Amplus Museum, there are a lot of experts who have studied and got degree and uh, are expert on the field. And they legal uh, departments, but uh, the way they uh, took it, you know, based on the propaganda newspaper Tai Kung Bo, um, as claiming almost as if there's no mechanism. Uh, even the film, such as the, um, the Behind Brick Wall film, was approved by the Office for Film Newspaper and Article Administration, OFNAA. So. So what is going on right now is they are trying to abolish the existing legal system of, uh, of, of um, examination and then try to replace it with this uh, kind of uh, bad politics. So this is very, very dangerous for Hong Kong's arts and cultural scenes. Um, how, how do you find it personally? Um, you find it more difficult to, um, to do artworks these days? Of course. This is... Uh, well, I think what's going on is like the art police uh, is happening and uh, this uh, United Front Work uh, Department, UFWD, by the Chinese Communist Party is giving pressure to Taekwondo. And once Taekwondo, the propaganda machine, uh, put an article, and then the government would follow up to act up. And this is really alarming. And for artists, this is definitely a white terror going on. And... Uh, the way I look at it right now, Hong Kong is uh, going through this Dunkirk uh, period. A lot of artists and cultural people uh, are planning to move out of Hong Kong because uh, they can no longer see um, uh, hope or changes. I mean, not only the art and An article I read about uh, international movers, they have like you know, 200 or close to 200 inquiries per, per month about moving uh, house uh, furniture away from Hong Kong. 
period really uh, put a devastating blow to, to the Hong Kong Aussies. But with, with this crazy politics, and, and it's just kind of a stamp over. <clears throat> what about your own work? Are you, are you doing work that is to do with this, is it is, that is in connection with what's happening now? Well, my own work, according to Taekwong uh, Bo, uh, somehow, I don't know why my name was on the, on the front page, uh, they kind of defame me, and because a lot of the stuff they put on that newspaper was not uh, was not accurate. It's a lot of defamation and smearing going on. And uh, they mentioned me uh, giving a talk uh, by invitation of the TED Talk Austria to talk about the situation in Hong Kong. But but uh, but seems like that newspaper is really targeting the arts development Hong Kong Arts Development Council which is uh, one of the major funding body for Hong Kong's artists. So what, the way I look at it is the uh, Chinese Communist Party is trying to uh, eradicate anybody from all sectors uh, to, that supports a uh, pro-democracy movement and try to cut off their funds as well as their venues. And by pressurizing the uh, legal body of the arts, such as ADC, Museum, or LCSD, that those people who are working inside this mechanism will become art police. So for me, a lot of uh, my own work were done on the streets during protests. But of course, now there's like no protests possible anymore. So uh, I think there's also hope for the future, I, I think, on a positive side, which is uh, to do more abstract-based art that is... Uh, more suggestive, you know, not, none of these uh, in-your-face style work would be uh, uh, possible. But the dangerous thing is this red line, okay, is flexible. That's why some uh, one Japanese scholar was saying that the situ situation in Hong Kong right now is worse than mainland China because this flexible red line is free to uh, is free for interpretation, and then you have like this uh, newspaper accusation. You know, maybe yesterday is yellow, yellow, yellow T-shirt, and today is black T-shirt, and who knows what's tomorrow. Gordon Matthews, you've you've written about staying in in Hong Kong, even though you could have had an opportunity to to leave. Why have you decided to stay in Hong Kong? What what was your calculation? Well, I, I think uh, I am not an artist, and I really appreciate hearing from artists here. I am an academic, and probably the stakes are lower for me as an academic. But uh, I, I, as far as I can rationally calculate, based on the things that I teach in terms of critical thinking, my chances of being pursued by authorities are relatively low, but if it did happen and I did wind up in jail, it's worth going to jail for. Uh, it's, it's worth suffering for only because critical thinking is... Uh, the essence of education and what that means is giving a multiplicity of points of view about a given event. So that, for example, in an exam uh, I offered last fall, I said Hong Kong has been a city of protest over the last 20 years. Explain this from multiple points of view. I want to find out a mainland point of view, I want to find out a blue point of view, and a yellow point of view. And on this basis, I want students to derive their own conclusion, but they've got to be thinking for themselves. You know, that's the essence of education. It can be political, but it certainly doesn't have to be. This can be about all kinds of other issues as well, but this is what education is supposed to be. And if this can no longer be practiced in Hong Kong, this is um, worth 
being uh, persecuted for. I don't think it will come to that, but then, as, as Casey was saying just a second ago, stuff in Hong Kong is already happening so fast that we don't know. Okay, a couple of comments. Uh, Jay in an email says, most people are not thinking about hate. Hate is in the mind and the mentality of the person that's thinking about it. So why on earth you're cutting fine hairs with artworks is ridiculous. Uh, and uh, Hugh says, quote, I'm going to hold her to that. That's uh, something that uh, John Batten said uh, in the first part of the programme of, of the CE. Uh, your guest just made this comment, all for it, but would like to follow up on how exactly he's going to go about it. Otherwise, just flatulence, yes? That's from uh, Hugh. And we've got a caller on the line. I think it's Matthew. Matthew, good morning. Hey, morning, Hugh. Uh, I have a comment on the art topic, and I couldn't, uh, couldn't be bothered typing it out, but... <laughs> I think I think the comment uh, comments by the speaker just before Gordon uh, kind of summed it up quite well. This, this has nothing to do with art. Um, it's about politics and not not even normal politics. It's about politics in the Xi Jinping new era and uh, as that applies to Hong Kong. Even though the opposition's gone, the politics hasn't stopped, uh, and in, in many ways it's heated up because, as TC pointed out. Um, through the eyes of the of Beijing, the local politicians here on on the Beijing side are, are and have been loyal rubbish. And there's this uh, cloud of the Bohemia Party, uh, led by New Hong Kongers, which are first immigration, first generation immigrants from the mainland, hanging over the local pro Beijing people. So, someone like Eunice, uh, who basically was a joke in local politics. Uh, on both sides uh, for not having contributed anything, along with all the all the others, uh, DAB and, and otherwise, they're all now desperately fighting for relevance and, and to show that they are relevant and more patriotic than the next guy. So they're just, you know, certain, randomly to a certain extent, picking issues like this to impress Beijing. It has nothing to do with art. You can't think of it through a normal logical lens. It's part of an internal war uh, between the pro-Beijing side to stay alive as um, they face replacement by, 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 new, by new Hong Kongers, by these uh, um, first-generation mainland-led uh, Bohemia politicians. Right. Matthew, where, like, where do this lead us? Do you see light at the end of this tunnel? No, I don't see any light uh, <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, no, I think uh, this is where it's going. Um, and so, you know, as Gordon said, we have a choice to stay and bear silent witness. I, you know, I've worked over the years with Chu Hoi Tech, and just before he went into jail, he, you know, I heard him say, well, I actually said it on a podcast we did together, he said, some of us, you know, some people will leave, but also some of us need to stay and, and remain as silent witnesses to what happens. But... As long as we're in the Xi Jinping new era, I, I, I don't see it relenting. So we have to adjust and adapt and and uh, travel through it and see where it ends. Okay, Matthew, many, many thanks for your call. 233-88-266 is our number. Casey Wong, isn't it also true that some great art comes from difficult circumstances uh, and that sometimes art can mean more because of the restrictions and that you saw that maybe in Eastern Europe um, and you see that sometimes perhaps in, in uh, on the mainland that, uh, that, that there is creativity, it's within different kind of framework, within different bounds, but there's still a lot of good art going on. Yeah, I agree with you. Actually, I've been uh, 
almost uh, 20 years, and and I, I kind of discover the the power of uh, creativity actually lies on the amount of limitation. So the more the limitation, the more creativity will uh, will, will burst. And now Hong Kong is facing a, a lot of uh, limitations, and just like uh, the previous decade. Uh, that's why you see a lot of uh, interesting protest art emerging in in Hong Kong as well as uh, socially uh, highly socially engaged art in the gallery. And I think this is uh, the, the national security law is definitely a game changer in all aspects and also as well as the, in the arts. Well, I don't think Hong Kong will will immediately become like the mechanism inside mainland China, like Xinjiang, you know, where they have political bureau staff inside the institutions screening everything and tell you to do it uh, before uh, it's launched uh, in order to, to, to squeeze out any sensitive material, but it's getting there. So I think uh, on a positive note is to try to create more um, uh, citizen-based platform as well as uh, generate a citizen-based funding rather than relying on the old mechanisms such as museums and or, or private galleries even. So I think um, the, the, the artists of Hong Kong are witty and full of, full of uh, energy. I have uh, full confidence that the, the next phase for Hong Kong art would be interesting. Um, Casey, on, on M+, Plus, um, it really wants to be really a, an international museum. Um, yes. And it has got a, a quite, quite an amazing uh, contemporary art collection, as you know. And, and it is not just one Ai Weiwei uh, work. No. Uh, there are many others, in particular artists in the 1980s um, who, who lived through uh, the Tiananmen incident. Um, what, what, what do you think will happen to the M Plus? Well, they are under tremendous pressure right now. I mean, not only them, but also any uh, curators or administrators under the uh, government payroll, such as those uh, museums under LCSD uh, watch and playlist and so so they're going to think twice of uh, you know thinking about who's going to be featuring and who's not and uh, definitely uh, background background checking because this is what the the um, the communist proxy are, are advocating right now backdating charges the way I see it so so it's not about what you do after the passing of the national security security law it's like the whole life or, or worse, like even your family background, this is like becoming like that. So, so unless I think somebody who doesn't uh, like a job uh, inside the institution, then they can maintain some kind of dignity and professionalism. Other than that, I don't see any um, any uh, light at the end of the tunnel in those kind of institute institutions and and, and uh, departments. Yeah, good, good, Matthews. Uh, you, you know that a lot of great art and poetry and drama and all kinds of things come from not the freest regimes. And in fact, that sometimes the restrictions make things more important, make those kind of expressions more important. True indeed. True indeed. And uh, I think Casey may be right that art, great art, may indeed come from these restrictions. It may make life uh, considerably more miserable, but it may be good for art. 
Okay, well, Gordon Matthews, thank you very much indeed for joining us, Professor of Anthropology at the Chinese University. Many thanks to uh, artist uh, Casey Wong uh, as well, and uh, earlier talking to John Batten in the first part of the programme as well. Thank you very much indeed for those and for the uh, email comments and uh, comments on on uh, Facebook. Uh, Matthew, who we uh, we spoke to and, and uh, was talking about uh, Backchat's uh, future, uh, was uh, uh, not happy with the choice of uh, guests talking about Sino-US relations earlier. Uh, he says here's a quick list of China analysts who could be alternatives or complements to Beijing friendly academics like David Zweig or Joseph Mahoney. I've actually made some of these recommendations before um, and uh, he goes through, uh, some of whom we have some of whom we uh, uh, are unwilling to uh, come on uh, uh, and he says of course there are, there are many more. Uh, if it has uh, really become impossible, uh, says Matthew to get quality guests with credible backgrounds and different perspectives, I think it's best to reconsider the format of the programme the only pro-Beijing politician now appearing on the programme, Nixie Lam only does so as a co-host who continually expresses her own bias while being off limits from question or challenge uh, hearing day, but you've often <laughs> questioned her Matthew anyway, hearing day after day from the same peripheral figures with vested interests like yesterday's two professors and only Andrew Lung or Holok Sang on local politics is quickly neutralising and destroying quality and original nature of the programme. Anyhow, Backchat has been a wonderful programme and these are clearly difficult and ambiguous times for everyone, especially RTHK. However, it's probably at or near the point for the programme to consciously choose the way forward before it happens by default. That's uh, from uh, Matthew. Well, finally today, uh, as mentioned, we wanted to turn to, um, to uh, what's been happening uh, in Saikung. There was a very unfortunate uh, event uh, at the weekend. Uh, another uh, uh, cow, one of the wild cows that uh, wander around the town and the uh, country park was uh, struck by a car. Uh, it does happen uh, from time to time and had to be uh, put down. Um, uh, some of the cows there are uh, uh, have... Uh, um, tags on them uh some don't it seems that in this case the road was was uh, dark uh, and the driver was lying on his his car's headlights um for a comment we're, we're joined uh, on the line now by uh, karina o'carroll who's co-founder of Saikung uh buffalo watch uh karina good morning to you good morning you. thanks very much indeed for for joining us uh, let's see. Uh, Bob in an email says, uh, Dear Backchat, although I now spend most of my time in Zhuhai, I'm a long-term Sai Kung resident. The cattle I believe are, I believe, not indigenous to Hong Kong and are feral descendants from draft animals on now defunct farms. They're harmless to humans and thus provoked, but cause considerable nuisance on Sai Kung's increasingly crowded roads. The mix of stray cattle and too many cars results in horrific harm to the animals and risk to drivers. My preferred solution is to issue government contracts contracts to properly qualified organisations to look after the animals, providing all veterinary needs and keeping them off roads and other areas designated by the local authorities. Now we have a choice, either keep the beasts as item of interest to the population or farm them for beef. The sustainable solution is Saikung steak. Uh, that's from uh, Bob. Um, I mean, you know, how long can this go on uh, in Saikong and in Lantau as well, really? It's nice having the cattle, but can we really have the cattle and the traffic at the same time? Well, I think you have to look at examples from other countries as well, Australia, Germany, the US, um, unfortunately, in all parts of the world. Animal accidents with traffic and vehicles is something that occurs, and it's something that obviously we here in Saikong are trying very hard to prevent. Um, 
Uh, basically, we have different groups of people. We've got uh, volunteers in different villages. We've got WhatsApp groups. Um, and basically, anybody who sees cattle next to the roadside or in danger on roads can contact any of the cattle groups, and we will come to herd them to safer locations. Um, obviously, there is some onus on drivers, and especially those visiting Saikung, uh, to be driving aware and with vigilance, you know, um, it's not uncommon to see wild boar, barking deer, monkeys, pythons, as well as feral cattle crossing the road. So it's not just a cattle issue. Um, and drivers really need to be driving expecting these animals to be on or near the roadsides or around the next corner. It's um, especially at dawn and dusk. You know, animals generally, not just the feral cattle, are all going to be um, crossing roads, um, which have been built through their habitats, mind you. Um, and so really, um, animal movement is unpredictable. And so driver awareness, if you see animals next to the roadside, there is responsibility on the driver's part to drive aware and accordingly. And with in mind as well, the fact that all roads in Saikung have a, limit, a speed limit of 50 kilometers an hour. So really keeping that in mind, you know, it should mitigate some of the risk if drivers are driving aware and expecting things to be on the road. If you've got no clear line of, slight, of sight on a road, which Saikung's roads are quite bendy and windy. Um, just slow down, um, pay attention to the road signage. We've had increased number of uh, road signs in regards to cattle placed, but unfortunately seems to be something that drivers tend to ignore, perhaps. Um, obviously driving in dark roads um, within the country park itself, um, uh, you know, being mindful that if you can't see very clearly to slow down, you know, it really shouldn't be so hard. And doing some of these things could mitigate, obviously, the incidences of these accidents happening. Um, Karina, it's um, it's actually very difficult to get you know to have the drivers to change their behaviour and yeah. to be more vigilant. Um, and and I do appreciate that you 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 now have the community you know being the the community watch. But uh, can the government do anything? Uh, can the Agriculture and Fisheries Department do more, perhaps? Well, actually, when it comes to the roads, it's mainly the Transport Department and also the Hong Kong Police. We've been in discussions with both departments and others over the last 10 years in regards to speed reduction measures, signage, um, enforcement of speed um, limitations, um, and basically doing more activities in regards to driver behavior. And while the Hong Kong Police have been quite supportive of um, doing more, um, it's unfortunately the transport department that seems to be quite reluctant in regards to dealing with the issues that we all know as residents uh, occur on both uh, of the main cycling roads. So really, we continue on to have discussions about what um, traffic measures could be put in place to increase driver safety, but also increase the safety and less risk for the animals as well. But it's, a, it's an ongoing process at the moment. The Transport Department did recently put up more cattle signs on both Saisha Road and Taimong Chai Road. But again, it reverts back to drivers paying attention to these warnings that are there, roadside, and actually driving accordingly. So, What, what, what are the tags on the, on the cows? What are they for? So those are just basically an identification. That means that AFCD at some point in time has had that cow in their possession and they've been given that number as an identification mark. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, number 233-88266. We've got uh, Guy on the line now. Guy, good morning. Good morning and good morning, Karina. Good morning, Guy. Friends of has been supporting Cyclone Buffalo Watch since its inception. Karina and I went up to the Ag and Fish uh, headquarters to talk about it many years ago, I don't exactly remember the exact year, and we urged them to uh, remove them into country parks. 
but to keep them in country parks, we urge them to put in cattle grids. Cattle grids are to be found, uh, for instance, uh, at the entrance to the High Island Reservoir and also the entrance to the Outward Bound School. But for some reason, they have not put a cattle grid in to the uh, entrance to Paktam Chong Country Park, into which they moved substantial numbers of cattle. So the cattle just wander out again. Um, and that is inexplicable. Uh, Karina mentioned that in many other countries, they manage this situation quite effectively. I lived in Cambridge for eight years, and there they have cattle and sheep right in the middle of the city on university land, and they are kept there by cattle grids. And everybody is happy. They love to wander along the, uh, the communal areas of, uh, of uh, Cambridge, interacting with sheep and cattle. Um, <coughs> so um, it's possible. Where there's a will, there's a way. There doesn't seem to be a will on the part of the government to, to uh, join forces. The different government departments who have a say on cattle grids just can't get their act together. Karina, cattle grids? It's a very controversial issue, and obviously, you know, it was researched a fair bit by different government departments, seven of them, if I remember correctly, um, and I think the main issue t came down to maintenance and construction of the grid and also legal liabilities and responsibilities should um, any ha anything happen to either pedestrians or uh, cattle themselves. So it was quite controversial, uh, unfortunately. Mm. Okay. Yeah, well we had an alternative to that which was to put in a barrier uh, which would prevent the cattle from ducking underneath it. And that also seemed to be unacceptable. That could have been installed purely by AFCD, but again, nothing happened. Mm. Okay, Guy, many thanks for your call. And uh, Karina O'Carroll, thank you very much indeed for joining us, co-founder of Saikung uh, Buffalo Watch. Mark, uh, in an email, says, to hit a cow in a car, you have to be driving carelessly and driving at speed. Traffic calming measures are what are needed. Banning non-resident traffic from Saikung on weekends and public holidays and having a park and ride system would be a start. That's uh, from Mark. Thank you very much indeed uh, for that uh, observation. And Alan gets the last word. Uh, Alan says, uh, back chat, Hugh looking on the bright side. Great art comes from difficult situations. OK, but I don't think the difficult situation that inspired Schindler's List was worth the resulting art, no matter it won seven Oscars. That's from uh, Alan. Ada, thank you very much indeed for uh, joining us. Uh, once again, here's the weather before we go. It's going to be many cloudy, sunny intervals around at first. Temperatures up to about 21 degrees with a couple of light rain patches later. And one or two rain patches at first tomorrow and then some sunny periods. 19 degrees now. Humidity is at 60%. Electors who have moved should update their registration particulars with the Registration and Electoral Office by the 2nd of April. You may submit your application by post, email or fax or online. Remember to submit address proof for change of residential address. The deadline is the same for change of functional constituency. Check your particulars on voterinfo.gov.hk. For inquiries, call 2891-1001. 9.31, the news now with Samantha Butler. 
In a coordinated action, a number of Western governments have imposed sanctions on China over alleged rights abuses against ethnic Uyghurs in Xinjiang. The European Union, the United States, Britain and Canada targeted four individuals and an organization. In response to the EU sanctions, which were announced first, Beijing said it would sanction 10 European individuals and four entities. The international charity Save the Children says the long-running war in Yemen is having a catastrophic effect on the country's children. They make up almost a quarter of all civilian casualties and are dying in their thousands from preventable causes. And local police in the U.S. city of Boulder in Colorado say several people have been killed in a shooting incident at a supermarket. Video showed several people lying motionless on the ground in and just outside the store in the Table Mesa area of the city. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the university. A set and costume designer. Great interpreter of Beethoven. As well. Oh, so shy, quiet and retiring doggy council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is really for adults. This is not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. The side of what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. Inter- interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday. It's The Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan. Well, last week we said that there was only one story coming out of Australia. Well, there still is, but it's become a many-headed hydra in the past few days. Jared Watt will explain why. After 10, in our weekly look down under, he's also going to bring you the usual handful of great Aussie music... After 11, we are off to Laos today with Dr. Marion Pierce to talk about wildlife and tourism there with Dr. Bill Blache, who is the research program director and a field biologist with the China Exploration and Research Society. We'll be on Facebook Live with lots of cool pictures and stuff as well. After 12, we'll be talking about undoing the mistakes in education caused over the years by colonization and the like. Maurice Misalowski is currently working with a university on the different needs and approaches to educating local indigenous children in various parts of the world. That's the long and short of it today. First up this morning is the Kings of Leon and this track is called The Bandit. It's 25 to 10. This is Radio 3. 